All right, thank you for joining us. Father's Day, this is a day about guys, you know? And I, I love today. Today's sermon is going to be like John Wick, rated R for violence. So, like, look, um, there's been a lot of softening of men in the world today, but I want today to celebrate dads. I had, happen to have a great father. And so we are going to, we're going to honor great fathers. We're going to honor our father in heaven. I'm going to be talking about something very, very powerful today. Something that psychologically might disagree with you because it will disagree with society. All right, we're going to jump into it today. All right. Um, it's a bit of a shame. But if fathers would be what society generally demands of us today, I would consider that a great failure for us. If you listen to society about the role of men, what we're allowed to do and feel, it seems to disagree sharply with scripture. Often the devil brings changes into culture that suit him just fine. We look back at generations past and smirk in our great wisdom at how we've evolved. But I think there was another mouth feeding lines to us about how a man ought to be that is hurting the world today. The devil knew if men served God and served God unified, that they couldn't be stopped. So he's been hard at work, firstly, separating godly men from each other. And number two, unmaking what it means to be a man, unmaking what it means to be a son of God. He's taken the very role God designed us for and taken the manliness out of it. He made it uncool. Catch this. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me. He made it uncool in society to be the very thing that would beat him. We watch it on TV every day. We're told in a thousand ways what it means to be a man has changed. That we don't need that kind of a man anymore. That we don't need that kind of a son of God anymore. The devil told us that to respect women, we need to be more like them. We need to speak like them and feel like them and even look like them. He told us that we don't need men for protection anymore, that as dads, that dads and moms could do the same things, one just as well as the other. He knew if we fell for it, he could hurt more of God's daughters. He told us that how a man is perceived in society is now more important than that man follow his conscience and do what is right that the collective conscience of people living in sin could be trusted more than that of a man with his God. Oh, I'm going to light this one on fire today. The devil said that that was archaic. He said that the world, it's a softer place now and we don't need hardness. And then he turned hardness into the same thing as meanness. And he said, it was every man for himself, the devil said, and he knew if godly men were kept apart, the devil knew if godly men were kept apart that nothing could stop him from hurting innocent people. He told us the world didn't need us anymore, that we could sit on the couch and watch TV. All the while, he was at work to hurt the innocents by removing their protectors. But, then you church, God is at work among us to remake men into his own image once again. There are destinies to fulfill. There are enemies to kill. There are innocents to protect. There is somehow racism in the world still. And until godly men rise up and band together and cast out the other, it will continue. Addictions must be put down. Injustice must be, must be put down. The devil must be put down. And until godly men form a brotherhood, injustice will continue in the world and rule unchecked. Today I will describe what real men of God look like and the part you need to play, no matter who you are, to make that happen. Now, I'm not trying to put men and women in a box. Oh, my goodness. Ladies, I live with five of all y'all. I am 
of, of the, the Cope population, and that is all that is the manly population in my family. But do you know what my wife and daughters don't want me to do? They don't want me to hand in their man card, my man card and be like them. They don't want that. They want me to be a man. But what has happened is, I'm not trying to put men and women in a box with the roles thing. Like, look, some girls like riding dirt bikes and some boys are emotional. Like, but that doesn't make them what they're not. And what's more confusing now is that the devil lumped men and women into one box now and said, you're all the same. And as soon as he did that, what he did was he removed the beauty of the sons of God and removed the beauty of the daughters of God and made everything this weird little mix where nothing is beautiful anymore. But boys and girls are different. Psychologically, we're different. We look different. Boys are ugly. Girls are cute. Come on. But there's this thing right now, and I'm not going to get into this much. There's this thing right now that says, look, you can be whatever you decide to be now. So here, five-year-old girl, you don't want to be a girl anymore. You can be a boy. Sure, because five-year-olds make good decisions. Come on, you can be whatever you decide. But, but I would suggest to you today, and this is all I'm going to talk about this. You can get all mad at me or whatever. All I'm going to suggest is that you can be whatever you decide. Maybe it's, maybe it's less that and like whatever you decide to be or whatever you're designed to be. So some people aren't designed to be astronauts. But you can be whatever you decide to be. No, not everybody, you know, I think you can be whatever you're designed to be. And I don't think you'll be happy until you're what you're designed to be. And as a pastor, I talk to all sorts of people that get way down this road. And they're like, I decided that I was this, and then I decided, and then God told me that that's who I was designed to be, and they're not happy. And you can make a pair of pants into a pair of shoes, but I don't think they're going to be comfortable. And I don't know that they're going to actually fulfill the, the purpose that God has them here. So, so I'm going to talk about the difference between boys and girls today. Now, now I have girls, and so I can't raise my girls the way that, that my mother raised uh, Ryan, myself, and, and I, because it wouldn't work, because they're girls, like... We weren't raised with how to psychologically destroy each other. Like, we didn't even think about that. Ryan would call me fat, I would punch Ryan, and then dad would come home. And then a half an hour later, everything was back to the way that it was. It was a beautiful thing. I, I love some things about men, and I'm, you know what? Look, I live with five of all of you women, and, and I respect you, and I love you, but today I'm, today's a guy's day, and I'm going to talk to the guys. I love guys. I love guys. All right. Um, all right. Here's something my girls have never done that I did. When, when my, when, you know, Arwen was my, is my firstborn, was my firstborn, is still among us and is my firstborn. But she never, you know, my mom got to the top of a hill when Ryan was just a baby in a carriage, got to the top of a hill. And as she gets to the top of the hill, I'm like, I volunteered. I'm like, mom, because Ryan was two years younger than I was. So I don't know how old that would have made me. But I'm like, mom, I was, I was three. My mom's in the studio audience here. So I was three. And I'm like, mom, all of a sudden, very helpful. Can I push the baby? And mom, just on the way on top of this giant hill, is like, and then she remembered something my dad told her. Never do anything that Corey asks you to let him do. <laughs> the answer is always no. And then she looks at me in the hill and she realizes, did I want to help? A little bit. I, I wanted to see if babies could fly. Maybe they can, maybe they don't. I don't know. I was, was I trying to hurt Ryan? Not really. I don't think, I think that you assume the boys are thinking more than we are. I don't know that we're thinking about what it looks like down there. I just think we're thinking about here and what it could be. There are some things that my girls have never asked to do. And, and I'm not saying that girls wouldn't. You know, I'm done defending that anyway. They just don't. They just, girls don't spend all day trying to kill themselves. 
by building bigger jumps. You know, if 50 miles an hour was okay and it didn't work and it was a horrible yard sale and all my tires fell off my bike, 60 miles an hour might be the key. I was going too slow. I was going too slow. I got to go faster. That's, that's the thing. Here's, here's some things. Here's some things. Okay, my four girls. Neela is my, my little gal. And, and uh, when she was really little, she has more energy than all the other kids put together. And so she figured out that if she pulled their hair, she could get what she wanted. And so she's pulling the hair. And, and my girls and the other girls were like twice her size. And one day, you know, Ailish comes crying to me again, like, Neela's pulling my hair. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, girls. Saturday morning, I like pulled them into the kitchen. I'm like, come here. I'm like, I cannot, this is what I said out loud, I cannot believe that I'm having to have this conversation with you. There's not a boy in the world I would have to have this conversation with you. I'm like, if Neela pulls your hair, pull her hair back. She'll stop. You horrible monster. Don't talk to me. I got four daughters. Don't talk to me. I know stuff you don't even know. Pull her hair back. She'll figure it out. Next time she pulls hair, somebody pulled her hair back, neither cries, the other person cries. The world returned to a not hair pulling state. I wouldn't have to tell a boy that, man. You pull my hair? Come on, try it. That's why my hair's so short. You can't get a grip on it anymore. It's like curly from the three stooges, man. Like That's why boys have short hair. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Okay. My mom was, you know, for little boys, if you raise boys, they're just full of grunts and destroy furniture, you know, like it's, it's just different. Life is just different. You need, you need harder walls and stuff. My mom, she was all worried back, uh, back in the day when we were little, she's like, yeah, I'm not really into like the gun violence stuff. And so she, 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 one Christmas, you know, all our friends had these little six guns, you know, little plastic six guns. And uh, she's like, I don't know about that. But then she, she finally, she finally gave in because she realized we were running around the house pointing our fingers and shooting at each other too. Like, pew, 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 you know? So she got us six guns. Now, I was kind of a sick kid, and so I was always in and out of, of the hospital with asthma attacks, but she said, I would not go to the hospital in the middle of the night with an asthma attack unless I had those six guns on, man. <laughs> I don't trust doctors and nurses. They still scare me a little bit. Stick me with needles and stuff like that. What? You want to do what? <laughs> that's not a real gun oh you sure <laughs> things that girls don't do right they're just different there's this kind of violence a little bit about them this testing of things of boundaries and pushing themselves and there's just something about them that that girls do but guys just do a lot more of it seems and and um it's just like my my best any any guy got in a fight with their best friend yes that's what guys do so, so I break up a fight on the playground, and Toby thought my one of my best friends thought that I was picking on somebody, and I was breaking up a fight between a guy and a girl, and it was really awkward because I'm just like, oh, are there any winners? I don't know. And I'm, so I'm breaking this fight up. He thought that I was picking on somebody, so he comes in like he'd been taking karate. He fly kicks me in the back, like T-boned at the intersection, didn't even see him coming, right? And I get up, and I'm like winded, and I'm like, Toby. <laughs> so I'm like, what would Jesus do? So I walked around the school to calm down, and I came back, and I wasn't, I wasn't calm, and I, we just went to it, and um, maybe grade five, grade six. We went at it long enough that, that the snitches had time to run in and get the principal, and the principal had time to come back and pull us apart. <laughs> this is back in the day when, like, you got the strap for stuff, and... Um, 
like Old Testament times. Now, Toby and I weren't super worried about the strap from the principal. We were worried about going home <laughs> to our dads and be like, because we didn't care about the strap of school. Um, so we, we, he pulled us apart and then we're like, oh, we're dead. Like we might, we should go to Mexico because we're dead. And so we start crying, you know, like a little boy's like, I'm sorry, Toby. Oh, I'm sorry, Corey. This is my fault. I should have kicked you in the back completely blind. Anyways, but it's just that sort of a thing. It's like, it's a guy thing. But a half an hour later, we're best friends again. There's nothing weird going on. It's just like, yeah, like good fight. Good fight. Yeah. It's just a thing, you know? Um, now, having said that, my girls don't want me to hand in my man card. Uh, now, now, sometimes they do a little bit, but now, now I will say this of myself. I have learned how to bring my emotions up, but that doesn't mean I'm good at them. But I, I work hard, right? And so, like, I'm the Alish whisperer. Alish is sitting right here. I'm the Alish whisperer in the house. I have learned how to handle an Alish, and I'm better at it than mom is. Aaron, are you here? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm better at it than mom because it's a game to me that I don't understand. But maybe I could win. I don't know. But see, I'm, there's a high body count when you're dealing with an Alish. And so, so, you know, Alish would be like crying one day. And, and if I finally realized the Holy Spirit told me it's going to take 15 minutes of your life every time she cries. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can do this. I can do this. So I don't try to fix it for 15 minutes. I, just, I would just like knock on the door and be like, hey, and she's crying on the bed. So I would go sit beside her on the bed. This is quite a while ago. She doesn't do this anymore. Don't do this anymore, please. It makes me super uncomfortable. And so, so I go and I put my arm around her and I'm like, it's okay, baby. And I just, I murmur things and she tries to talk, but I'm like, I don't really understand you when you're crying. You're probably going to have to stop crying so that I can understand your words. And so and I just sit there and in 15 minutes, and I just look at my watch every now and again. And, and I'm going to lie if I said that I didn't use the time to think about other things because I do. And then when she's ready, then I come back. And so, and then I'm like, okay, and then we talked through an issue, and then I was able to, you know, we eventually got talking through, like, okay, so we can't have emotions control us, and I, I'm not sure that it was like that, and okay, I'll go talk to Katie, because Katie and Ailish are like, you know, Superman and Lex Luthor, man, they just, they just at each other, but it's just, so, so I get it, I get it, but that's not necessarily my strong, strong suit, like, Aaron can get in there emotionally like that, like, it's just, it just comes so naturally, for me, I have to work at it, because I have no idea what's going on, and still, most of the time, I, I feel like I'm, Five women in the house. I'm a psychologist who's not getting paid and not very good. So feel a bit sorry for me, guys. But I, do not, I don't think I should hand in my man card. Now, now, the devil knew if he could separate godly men, he could rule the earth. Where is the fighting spirit today of the sons of God? Where is the nobility and the adventure? Where is the strength? Where are those men who care what their God thinks more than what anybody else thinks about them? Yeah, I, I, I should care what my kids think about me, but far and above, I should care what my God thinks about me. We're the men who are willing to stand up to injustice wherever they find it. Where are those willing to sacrifice their lives for a cause? Have we run out of those kind of men, or is there a resurrection of those kind of men in the world today? 2 Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to read a scripture, a passage that the girls don't know is in here. But the guys know because we've read it a whole bunch and we love it. There's something about it that just ignites some righteous violence in our souls. It's talking about David's mightiest warriors. 
David, eventually David had an army of like one and a half million, but he took a ragtag bunch of guys and turned them into soldiers. And these soldiers fought for their families and for their country because before that, the Philistines ruled. And I'll tell you, they were a cruel lot. When they ruled and they came into your, into your home and into your cities, man, they, they messed your wife and, and your daughters up. Come on. Like life was hard back then. And, and these David's mighty men, they rose up and, and struck a blow for their uh, countries and their cities and their families. And, and what we're going to do today when I go through this, and I'm not apologizing for it, I'm going to add a little video to the audio. Because when girls read this, they're looking for character development. I don't watch movies for character development. I just want the bad guys to get shot a bunch. Come on, man. Just die, bad guys. It's time. And, uh, you know, when we watched Lord of the Rings for the, for the first time when it came out in theaters, um, now, my mom and my wife and my sister-in-law, Jody, we all went, dad and my brother, we all went to watch it, and they came out of the movie, and their impression of the movie was that the orcs were A, gross, and we're like, but you've read these books a bunch. What did you think that orcs were going to look like? And they were surprised at how violent the battle scenes were where orcs got killed. Sometimes you read the Bible and you forget that there was video to it, and this actually happened. And you're looking for character development. And I'm like, men, orcs are so ugly, they just need to die. I don't want to counsel them. I don't want to emotionally engage in them. I don't want to see how they're doing. They're trying to kill the elves. They got to die. Come on, ladies. Orcs got to die. They're just inherently wicked. There's something about the devil and his work that just got to die. Can we stop trying to understand it and kill it? This... This is, tell you what, this is what a godly man knows, that all it takes is one madman to have a holocaust. You can try to understand him or you can put him in the ground. You can tell, like, my my grandfather was a pacifist. (laughs) Uh, I'm not. Because I know that it takes one madman to have a holocaust, one insane person to go out and do something awful in the world. And unless we rise up in violence to meet it, he will continue on and hurt innocent people. And David knew this. Listen, David did not try to counsel Goliath. He just removed his head from his shoulder so he could quit hurting people. How you doing? Are you okay? You seem angry. Was your childhood hard? Yeah, because you ate your brothers and sisters. How'd you get so big, man? You ate all the food. John Wick, man. It's going to get all stabby up in here. All right. My wife went to see John Wick Parabellum with me, and it turned me on a little bit. I'm not going to lie. There's something in the soul of man that was made for adventure, and there was something in the soul of man that was made to stand up and fight against wickedness. Let's try to quit emotionally supporting Goliath and kill him. All right, these are the names of David's mightiest warriors. All right, you ready, men? The first was Jashobim. He was the leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. These guys started as losers, but look at what God made them. Listen, he once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Stabby, stab, stab, man. What a Dead. Killed you dead. 800. He didn't drop a missile. He didn't push a building over. He killed them face to face. Old Testament, old school. With a spear. He John Wicked them with a pencil. He, he got to it. Now this is in a cruel world when, when men were men. When they had to stand up and fight. And he's like, 800 guys? I can, yeah, okay. And there's something about, can you feel what it would take to stand up against that many? 
He took his life in his hands. He was already dead walking out there. But rather, rather die fighting for what's right than die a coward at home and waiting for it to come to you and take your family out. Might as well go out and meet it in the field of battle. You might as well go out and run towards Goliath and meet him out there. 800 enemy warriors hand-to-hand combat in one battle. That's just his highlight reel. That was just the best day of his life. The body count, guys. Like, how would you do that? Next in rank was, I mean, this is the guy you want on your team in a dark alley. Come in. You want to steal my wallet? Joshua Beam? Stabby, stab, stab. Give me 800 more, you clowns. All right. Next in rank among the three was Eliezer, a descendant of so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Once Eliezer and King David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. Oh, they're in a bad spot, man. They were so overwhelmed with numbers and the entire Israelite army. And there was something in their hearts that they just like, Eliezer and David. I love this one when godly men, my brothers in venue, they just kind of look at me sometimes. You just make eye contact and you're just like, I don't feel like running very much. Yeah. All it takes is one. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Bruce Lee, you know. Bring it. Bring it. You know, the devil has you dancing, and, and he's, he's got you strung like a, a, pup, a puppet, and, and he's just pulling the strings. And every now and again, you just got to be like, if you got it, then kill me, if you can. Pull the trigger. If, that's, if you're greater than the God inside of me, then do it. Then kill me. Then come after my family and do it, if you can. But walk right through me, because I'm not moving. They stood in the middle of a field. And they're just like, you want this field? Then come and take this field. We're not leaving. We're just not going to go. Look, the rest of the boys, they had a bad day. They can go, but we're not. My, my, there's a story of my great-grandfather in the Ukraine. There were Dutch pacifists, but, but, and so there was like the, the they, were, they were constantly trying to be conscripted into the Red Army or the White Army or, it was nasty times, right? And so a soldier comes into my, my great-grandfather's uh, home, if I'm getting the story right, and my great-grandfather had a brand new pair of boots, and the soldier said, give me those boots. And there's just something inside of him, and he's just like, if you want them, come and get them. I don't have a gun, but if you want them, come and take them off my feet. Because I would rather die than give you these boots right now. Uh-uh. I'm done. I'm done running. I'm done. There's something about a man of God that stands in the face of the enemy and is like, not my teenage daughter, not now, not ever. Come, if you're going to come and try, then come and get him. He killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. Not his video game console. Call of Duty. No, no, real dudes. The Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not turn until it was time to collect the wristwatches. And his arms are just so tired, the plunder, it says. His arms are so tired, he's just like, I should probably take these wristwatches, but ugh. Oh, good, you guys came? Oh, good, how you guys doing? Do you have a nap, or you feeling okay? You feeling courageous now with all the body? Well, okay, you guys want the wristwatches? Uh, I'm too tired, man, I'm going to go have a nap. Somebody make me a sandwich. Next in rank was Shammah. At one, at one time, the Philistines gathered in, in Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled. Now, this one I get, because why would you protect a field of lentils? 
It's not a hamburger field. I get it. No, I get this one. Like lentils, like, oh, do we really care about this? But Shama, Shama saw something else about this. It was not just the field of lentils. There's something else. If we give up this thing, we're going to give up the next thing. And I'm not giving up the next thing, so I'm not giving up this thing. And there's got to be a way to make lentils into a hamburger. So we're doing this. He stood in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the the, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three, these three guys, uh, who were among the 30, an elite group of David's, uh, among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. This is David's hometown. This is where his relatives live. And the Philistines are there. Maybe you all don't know what used to happen back then to relatives of people who fought. Okay. This is what he's, and David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. It's just one of those things he's just like, I just, I wish. And he just says, no strings to take, he just says it out loud. And these three guys hear him. I don't know if you would understand this, but this is the well that he would grow up drinking from. And the well that he would bring home water to his mom. And he's just like, I just, there's just something about my home that, it's being defiled right now. I just wish that I could have a drink from that. You know, I don't know what that would mean to you. I just wish that I could. So the three broke through the Philistine lines. Drew some water by the well. I'm going to reenact this. By the gate in Bethlehem and brought it back to David. Three guys, they just hear, overhear him. And they're like, they just make eye contact with each other. Like, they're like... That's my boy David, and that's my king, and that's his town, and that's my town. I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like it. The three of them get together. They just make, I don't even think men, guys, men in battle, ladies, you don't even understand, because you'd have had a committee meeting, and it would have taken 15 hours. They just made eye contact. One of them raised their eyebrows, and they just started walking. They knew what they want. They're like, oh, they just grunt, one grunt, mm mm-hmm. They broke through the Philistine line, drew water. <laughs> One guy's like, I guess I'll get the water. And two guys are just beating Philistines, man. <laughs> it's just like, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> like, like, come on, drew the water. You know? <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Smack, smack, smack. And then they all know they're coming right back. So now the line is reformed here. <laughs> they're like, what? The dude's like, stab me, but don't stab the water, man. <laughs> this is valuable stuff, right? I'm going to put it on my back, I guess, and just run really fast. This is what I love about men. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. There was something in David. He's like, no, no, no. I wasn't trying to take advantage of my brothers. No. Like, and he pours it out as an offering to the Lord. He's like, no, 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 no. No, not like, oh, guys, thank you. No, but not like, but can you see how tight the bond became? They're like, oh, our, 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 our blood that they would have spilled that night was precious in his sight. The Lord forbid, he says, I should drink this. The water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. He did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. You want these guys on your football team. Not football, soccer team. (laughs) They'd be too big and muscular, I think, to run much. It says, Abishai, the son of Zerai, the brother of Joab, these are relatives of David, that was the leader of the 30. Now there's 30. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. Because Jashabim's like, 300? That's cute. 
no, it's good. No, it's okay. It's okay. I had 300 with my left hand. But it's good. You know, it's good. It's good. Then there was Beniah, a valiant warrior from Cabzil. He's one of my favorite guys. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. He's like, you guys want to do a two for one? That's fine. It's not going to matter. Keep it coming, devil. It's not going to matter. Keep sending the de- Keep coming. It's not going to matter. He did many heroic deeds, which included these guys. Another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. This is why guys are so awesome, because we're so dumb sometimes. We just like, we're just talking to each other like, I could kill a lion. You can, kill, you can throw a football over them mountains. I can them. How about like when it's snowing? Yeah. Will you chase one down into a pit and kill it? Well, and he did it. Try it sometime. Chased a lion down into a pit on a snowy day and killed it. Once, armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. He wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Like, bro, you can't use that thing anyways. The best that Egypt has to offer, get out of here. Mess you up. Deeds like these made him as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the others, though he was not one of the three, and David made him captain of his bodyguard. I want to talk a little bit about what I love about the sons of God and what I love about men. I love that I can be around a group of men, and I don't have to be as concerned about how I'm perceived by them. I love that I can just be me, and there seems to be like just this kind of like this this ease about it. That's like it's okay. Like no, I get it. Strengths and weaknesses. It's, it's okay. I I I feel like when I'm around men, we kind of give each other the benefit of the doubt, and um, I think that that's just super important. I love that I don't have to guard myself. I don't have to watch uh, their emotions. Sometimes I just be like, it's okay. It's okay. There's just an underlying thing about being around the sons of God that's just like, I got your back. I got it. This conversation is not going to decide our friendship. I decided that a long time ago. Say whatever you need to say to me, but it's not going to not make us friends anymore. You know, like we would never say that to each other, but there's this underlying thing. It's like, I value the truth more than I value my emotions. And around you, you can speak the truth to me and it's good. I need that. I love that about you. I love that you would have enough courage. I love that you love me enough to do that. We're good. You know, I love that about men. Here's something else that I love about men. We can be around each other, and we, I think we have a, a really good thing that we do is that we, we, you know how you wear a hat when you go into a different place? And, and, and you wear a certain type of a hat around certain type of people. But men do this really well, I think. Meaning, like, I can be around, um, like, Chad and, and or, or, you know, Edwards, or Scott, who's into renovations, Edwards into automobiles, Chad, I don't know what he does. No. <laughs> he's into, like, MMA, and he's in the trades world. And I, but here's, when you're around guys who have an expertise in a certain area, we change hats really quickly. So when it's time for me to be pastor, I put on the I'm in charge hat, but as soon as it comes to cars, like, I'm just like, here, I don't know anything about cars. You wear it. And we don't fall for this kind of ridiculous idea that everybody's opinion matters the same as everybody else's about everything. I'm like, no, we, we consider our opinion about things that we're not experts in. We hold it low. Like, I don't know that much about this. And so my opinions might not matter as much as yours. I just want my car to stop breaking down. So I could try to fix it, or I could just let you tell me what I need to do, and we could fix it, and I could get on with my life. And there's this ease about us that when we're working in crews with each other, we just kind of like, okay, that's your thing. That's your area? Okay, good. What do you want me to do? 
It's not this like constant power struggle I find working with good godly men. It's like, that's your thing? Okay, that's your area? That's what you do in the church? Oh, what do you need from me? And I'll do that. Like, tell me, I said this before we got, I'm like, tell me, what, tell me when we're ready and tell me what you need from me, guys. Production, tell me what you need from me and I'll just do it. I don't have to be in charge everywhere. I'm in charge of enough stuff, you know? It's just that ease of, of changing hats. Um, I like that there's not a whole lot of drama sometimes. It's like, just say whatever needs to be said. It's okay. We'll, we'll move on. Um, once men have brothers, godly brothers, they won't care as much what you think about them. And that's a good thing. Because they are responsible to their God to do what's right no matter what you think. And that is not a fun burden to bear sometimes. Because sometimes you have to make decisions for people that you know is what God wants you to do when the people disagree with you. When there's that leadership and that weight on your shoulders. And if you would take a vote, they would choose to do the wrong thing. And so that's when in a company or in a family or in a church or in wherever, in an army... You have to take, somebody's got to shoulder the responsibility and make a decision that would honor God the most. And then ask everybody to do it. And that's, that demands respect, I think. And, and I respect men who can do that. They are responsible to their God, no matter what you think. Godly men honor God first. And if you don't like it, you maybe should just get over that. And appreciate the gift that you have. Hallelujah. Now, can I say this? If you have a father wound in your life, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, what I would say is that you'll naturally try to make, if you have a man or a little man in your home, you'll naturally try to make him into what your father wasn't. But that's not the same thing as him becoming what he should become. So if your father was absent, you'll want him to be hands-on all the time, but sometimes he should hang out with his brothers. And, And... I married a girl with a father wound, you know, and, and, and I love her dad, but he himself would say, like, he wasn't there. And, he, and so I think naturally Aaron wanted me to be his opposite, but, but that still wouldn't make me into what God wanted me to be and what she needed. And so as, if you have a father wound, you know, you need, to have a, uh, you need to have a spiritual father. You need to have fathers in the face so that if you're married, you're not trying to get your husband to be your dad because it's weird and... and you don't want them to be, but you kind of do, you know. And it's important to have father figures. And, and, and if you're a single mom and you work so hard, single moms, but there are father figures in the house of God. And, and your boys need that. Your girls need that in their lives. And you can have that in the church. But here's what I would say. Don't ever compare your men or your little men to other men. Do you enjoy your body being compared to other women's bodies? Don't compare them. God made your man to be a certain way, and, and this is what happens. Like, you see somebody, and he's very emotionally connected, or what appears to be emotionally connected, then you want your man to be the same thing. Be careful of comparison. It comes back around on you. What if God didn't make him that way? What, what if God doesn't want him to be like that? And what if this person has problems that you don't even know about? Be careful, because men feel things too. Uh, it, it works in our hearts the same way. We're just not allowed to talk about it. What happens if you have a father wound is that you'll naturally try to grab the steering wheel all the time. And that gets really weird, particularly when the car is on rough roads. You know, um, my wife, she's a nervous passenger and I'm always making fun of her because she'll reach over and she'll grab the, that's her saying, yep. She'll grab like the, the armrest and be, I'd be like, are, you, are we on high alert, babe? Driving around Airdrie? You know, she's just like nervous. But then I got a motorcycle and I'm like, I'm like, if she was like a bad passenger before, I'm like, what's she good? You know what she said to me? I'm like, hey, you're doing good because, you know, like motorcycles are fast. So you got to like lean and stuff. And when you're on the back, you don't have any control. She goes to me, well, she says, if I die, I die. And if I live, I live. And I'm like, it works for me. 
And she's great. But sometimes what happens is we get so nervous if we have father wounds or we didn't have a good dad, we get so nervous we reach over and we try to grab the steering wheel all the time. That will definitely cause you to crash. You know, it's like when you, when you lean into the curve of life and you got to lean with the curve and you're freaked out because you don't really trust the person and you try to like lean out of the way, definitely a crash. You have to sometimes get to this place where it's like, just let him be who God wants him to be or let him at least try to be who God wants him to be. It sounds funny, but I said to Aaron the other day, like, baby, that's kind of like, that's my role. Now your role in the home, like some people, some girls are better at accounting than guys and like, you know. That you got to sort out. But but in this particular role, I'm like, that's kind of the man's role, I feel like. And I said to Aaron, I'm like, we already got one man. Did you want to be the other one? Because I'm like, this one, fast, good looking, great, great taste in movies. But I'm just joking with her a little bit about that because she missed that role growing up in her home. And I'm like, baby, I got it. Relax. I'll take, I said I would take care of it. I'm going to actually take care of it. It's okay. That's fine. Oh, that's fine. Here's what I love about brothers. When you have good godly brothers in your life or good godly brothers in in your man's life or your friend's life who's a man, when that happens, they don't just have their backs, they have your backs. And men are good at, I got to say, men are better at this than girls are because if Aaron and I are fighting and we walk into the room, everyone, all y'all girls are on her team and you don't even know what she said. You are into this like, and I love you and I live with five of you and I'm not afraid of you because I got the mic right now. But listen, y'all go into this, like, defend the entire race of women thing. And I'm like, we were just fighting about something. She was wrong. You know, there's this thing. But, but when, when men do this, it's a little bit different. And I got to say, men are better at this in marriage. Because when we get together with godly men and talk about marriage problems, the godly men bring up whatever they think the problems are generally. They're not on your team. They're on the family team. That's powerful. When they're like, they'll be like, no, I think that this is your problem. I've heard guys give advice like, no, you need to love her better and you're not doing that right now. Yeah, no, I've heard that. I've heard that. And that's a powerful thing. You want your man to have godly friends who, who have your families back. Whether or not my, my wife and daughters, they owe our family and our marriage to Sean Gibson, who's my accountability partner. And, and because when I'm with Sean, he doesn't just have my back. He has their back. He represents them too. And vice versa. And I've had to talk to Sean and confront sin in his life. He's done the same thing in my life. Thank God for good godly men. But our, our wives and our children owe them. And my wife, I want her owing Sean because she does. She really does. And that's powerful. And I don't want, I'm just like, yeah, I honor him. And I honor what he's done for me. And I love that about him. All right. Um, girls, you need to make ways for your brothers, for brothers to have brothers in arms to spend time with each other. When you do that, your marriage, if you're married, will get better. Because there's something that only brothers can do for brothers, and you can't. And if he comes home and he's looking for that from you, you won't be able to give it to him. And there's something that's powerful there that when they spend time with godly men, they'll get pushed forward. And they're like, yeah, they'll come home and want to be better men. That's powerful. You cannot fulfill that need inside of him. Um, And here's what I want to say, girls, if you only take one thing home, and you're going to disagree with me because I know how you think because I live with 80-some percent of you in my home right now. Okay. Girls... If you take one thing home, you can't make him into a better man. You can't. You can support him. You can love him. You can encourage him. The only thing that can make a man better is a better man. Because our brains don't even work like this. But I don't think God works like this. 
I don't mean you can't make suggestions to him that wouldn't help him. But you can't make him into a better man because you're not one. You're not. God didn't make you that way. And my brain is like, you want to try to tell me, because girls have tried to do this, you want to try to tell me how to be a better man? You're not a man at all. You're not even a good man or a bad man. You're not even a man. How would you know? It's like me trying to tell a plumber how to be a better plumber. I don't know. I'm not, but let a plumber tell a plumber how to be a better plumber. That's how it works. And, and for us to try to tell girls how to be better girls, why don't we just connect them with godly girls? Like you tell them. I want my wife to have friends that don't agree with her all the time. Hallelujah. And tell her when she's wrong sometimes. That's good. <laughs> no, no. God will not show you how to make him a better man because you're not a man. And God will, God will only show another man how that man can be a better man. That's how God works. That's a powerful, once you get that into your head. All right, Psalm chapter 133. This is where I'm landing the plane here. Behold, this is King David talking. Behold, he says. The same King David who had all these brothers. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Unity. Man, I love you because unity begins where agreement ends. We don't have to agree with each other to be on the same team and to fight the same devil. We don't have to agree about strategy. We don't have to agree about anything. We're just like, this is my place. That's your place. That's your decision. This is my decision. Let's go and do this together. Let's go. I'm standing in the middle of this field. We good? Yeah, let's go. I'm tired of watching the devil take things from your family. I'm tired from how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, the priesthood is what he's talking about, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now, I'm going to pray for you men, and I, I want you, I want every lady out there to join with me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for every man watching, every little man in our homes, Lord, watching venue kids, every man, Father, every male, I pray, Lord, that you would command the blessing that men could grow up and be brothers in the faith, brothers in the fight, Father, that we could be brothers, that we could call each other out on sin and quit defending it and quit allowing public perception to shift us, that we would have a conscience before the Lord our God and do what is right in the sight of heaven, I pray, oh God, in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that every girl would take it upon themselves to make that and make a way for that to happen as well. But Father, now I pray for unity amongst godly men that we could rise up and right the wrongs in the world today. Rise up and protect the innocents. Rise up and fight the devil and put him in the ground. Rise up and fight racism and put it in the ground. Rise up and fight the, the hurting of women and children and put it in the ground in Jesus' name. Amen.